Hey there, uh, this is Brad Jones with uh, the Secure Church, and um, I recorded an intro, and it's been quite a while ago, um, and the reason I haven't recorded a second podcast is I didn't want to get too far into this um, before iTunes approved my podcast, because that is the single biggest platform uh, we are available on the others as well, all the big ones anyway, um, Spotify and all of that, um, Google, um, yeah, Google Play, um, any of that you can find uh, the podcast on. Um, the easiest you know, way to find it and find all the various platforms is just uh, go to anchor.fm. Uh, slash the secure church and that'll get you all the various listening platforms uh, that you could share with anybody else um, in fact I think the we recorded the intro so long ago that it was before the Texas church shooting um, that occurred and um, when the hero stepped up and shot the Shot the bad guy with one shot, uh, but not until uh, Mr. Bad Guy was able to uh, kill a couple of other people from the church. Um, So my question to you is why have a church security team? And by have a church security team, I do not mean a couple of, you know, you got five or six random guys that the pastor knows is carrying, and maybe they know each other's carrying, but nobody's really sure who all's carrying. Uh, Maybe you got a couple of off-duty police officers, and you're relying on them, but they don't know who the non-officer citizens are that are carrying in your church. Maybe you live in a state that does not allow people to carry in church uh, unless they have specific training and are officially part of the church security team. Um, Those are all good reasons for you to have a team. Um, The most important one is this. You cannot stop an armed gunman opening fire on innocent people in your church without an armed response. You simply cannot. More people will lose their lives. And despite all of the fear-mongering from various groups, uh, you know who I mean, Bloomberg-attached groups, Despite all the fear-mongering about worst-case scenarios and crossfire and bullets going everywhere and innocent people getting hit by the good guy and, you know, you got five different good guys all shooting in different directions and they end up hitting each other and nobody hits the bad guy and people die. Well, that does not happen when you have a trained team that does not happen. Um, 
It has never happened. Their worst case scenario has never played out. Uh, despite all of their laws that they have passed, despite all of their fear mongering, our worst case scenario has played out. Unarmed people sitting in a worship service and a gunman opens fire and there is no one there to stop them. And innocent people die. It is your responsibility. If you're a pastor listening to this, if you're an elder of a church listening to this, or a deacon, or whatever you call your official lay overseers of your church, that is your responsibility, is to provide for the safety and security of the sheep in your flock. Now, you have a choice. You can delegate that, and in fact, I would highly recommend that you do that. If you're a pastor of a church, my guess is you have never had military, police, or high-level civilian training. You may have taken a, a random concealed carry course or something, but you've never had high-level training. Um, you certainly do not have the ability to train others, and nor should you. Your responsibility, especially if you're a pastor, your responsibility is to preach the gospel. Um, you should still be carrying, and in fact, we've our pastor does not, um, to my knowledge, anyway. Um, just part of his tradition that he grew up in, he doesn't do it. Um, and that's fine, that's his choice. Uh, nobody's going to force anybody to do this. Uh, but, you know, you might carry, you might choose to carry on yourself to protect yourself. That's fine. But, uh, you are not going to be able to intercept a person at the back door. You're not going to be able to intercept the person walking in behind your congregation before they have time to unleash fire. You need to have a dedicated team of people. Um, I'm not going to tell you our team's plans. That's uh, kind of a private personal deal. I'm not going to tell you everybody that's on our team, in fact. Uh, I will tell you we have people watching the parking lot every Sunday. We have two services. We have people watching the parking lot from the time first service starts arriving to the time that second service has left the building and gone home for the day. Um, we have people there when the doors are open, when we have youth group, we have security people there. Uh, I'm one of them because I'm a youth leader. We have we have an armed presence inside of the sanctuary, um, and we have an armed uh, presence in our sound booth that can oversee the entire sanctuary. Um, yes, that's that's what we have. 
Uh, we received training from an outside group. Uh, initially, uh, we are no longer training with him. Uh, we have people in our church. We have uh, a law enforcement officer. We have a we have two actually uh, military firearms instructors, and we also have a person who is a former employee of the Department of Homeland Security um, that are members of our team and uh, we have some highly skilled uh, people like myself that have taken a lot of training, uh, taken some extensive training well beyond your average concealed carry class. Uh, and in fact, I'm a firearms instructor uh, on my own. I don't have a law enforcement background uh, or military. Just personal choice. I just kind of picked this up and started running with it a long time ago. Um, and I try and take at least two classes a year uh, and sometimes more than that. And then I teach uh, at least uh, one or two weekends a month pretty much throughout the year. Uh, everything from basic handgun to concealed carry classes to force on force. Um, so we have a team of guys that are all... We, we have some specialty areas and, and we're, we're gonna kind of handle all of our training ourselves. Um, we have a test that people who wish to serve on our team uh, as armed members of our team have to qualify on. Uh, it is very similar to the FBI qualification course uh, it is uh, similar to, you know, police qualification courses, things like that. Uh, minimum score that is acceptable for the police academy is not acceptable for our team. Uh, you have to be better than that. Um, you know, if you're going to carry a firearm and you're going to be responsible for shooting that firearm in a crowded building you cannot miss and that's the bottom line um, so we we take it quite seriously um, now there were some mistakes made in that church in Texas and if they hadn't been made uh, I believe two people would have would still be alive uh, everybody wants to praise the hero, and yes, absolutely, 100%. That guy had ice-cold water running through his veins that morning. Um, made a perfect shot, perfect timing, um, and eliminated the threat. He's absolutely a hero. Unfortunately... Uh, in, in watching the video multiple times, there were multiple occasions prior to the shooting that that gentleman uh, should have been uh, led out of service. Uh, he was acting quite 
quite alarmingly for parts of the service. Uh, when he went up to go receive communion, the person holding the communion plate, it appeared to me, and um, I don't know this for a fact, but uh, based on my training, my experience, my knowledge, um, it certainly appeared to me that he was attempting to draw a handgun um, that he had concealed under his suit jacket in a behind-the-hip position. Um, unfortunately, that position for carry can be quite comfortable. However, it is a very long draw, and it is a very obvious draw. Um, in order to get back there, you've got to uh, reach under your jacket, probe behind your back, grab your gun, and go. Um, you can add anywhere from a full second to two seconds or more um, over an appendix or front of the hip carry position. Um, and I know people don't like to carry appendix, um, and I understand that. It's a very concealable position. Um, there are, you know, depending on what you're comfortable with, anything from the hip forward is fine. I do not recommend carrying behind that hip position for those reasons. Uh, it is a, it's extremely long draw and it is a dead giveaway that you are drawing. There is no way to draw that handgun um, discreetly. Um, that was a huge mistake and it ended up costing him his life. Um, he, it, it looked like he noticed the guy was drawing, pulling the shotgun. Um, you know, maybe he would have been better off uh, with a physical uh, response to uh, the shotgun rather than attempting to draw a handgun. Um, he could have lunged at the guy and tackled him. Um, you know, and it, again, I'm, I'm probably armchair quarterbacking a little bit here, and I'm not attempting to do so to be critical or overly critical. Uh, I'm attempting to analyze and say, hey, how can we do better going forward? Uh, if we're not willing to admit that mistakes were made, then we can't correct those mistakes going forward, and we're going to repeat those same mistakes again. Um, we, I will tell you, we had an incident in our church uh, shortly after that. A month ago now actually uh, we had a gentleman come into the building he was dressed inappropriately uh, to say the least in a manner uh, the jacket that he was wearing would have made it relatively easy to conceal uh, definitely a short uh, pistol grip shotgun like the the Mossberg Persuader or uh, whatever the Remington one is called. I don't know. Um, 
he could have easily concealed an AR pistol um, or an SVR of some sort, um, possibly even concealed a full 16-inch barreled uh, carbine, AR or AK or whatever. Um, we intercepted him in the parking lot, harassing a woman, um, actually two women. Um, he insisted on coming inside. At that point, he hadn't done anything real wrong, just approached women and was obviously making them uncomfortable. He was asking to speak to a family member. Um, that family member didn't wish to speak to him. It turned out that the gentleman was um, mentally ill and was off of his medications that he was supposed to be taking. And he was basically harmless. Um, he was just kind of weirding people out um, quite a bit, actually. Um, we watched him quite closely and kept him out in the lobby area of our church for a long time. Then he went proceeded to go into the sanctuary where we had four people pretty much surrounding him at all times. Uh, we tried to get him to go out. He refused. He sat down. Then he got up and moved again. Uh, he did that three or four times. He would sit still for about 30 seconds, and then he'd be up and be on the move again. Then he'd sit still. Um, so We ended up, he got near the front of the church, and uh, four of us were able to quickly surround him. Um, at that point, we were afraid that he was possibly going to um, require us to use firearms, and none of us wanted this to escalate to that point. So we gently but firmly uh, led him out, back out into the lobby, uh, where he proceeded to sit down right next to the children's area. This was about two minutes before church let out and parents were going to go pick up their children. So we proceeded to lock down all the children's areas. And... Um, we're letting one parent in at a time to get their kid um, with they had to have identification all of that there were no lines allowed um, until we could ensure the safety of the children and all of the our members and congregants um, we just basically shut it down um, we did eventually were able to get him to voluntarily leave the premises um, there was a friend of the family that was there and he was able to calm him down and settle him enough that he left um, we did find out later on and I'm not going to reveal too much information here but we did find out later on that uh, they were able to talk the gentleman into seeking treatment and he's undergoing treatment for his issues um, so that's a good thing. <coughs> um, 
point being, without a coordinated effort, that could have gotten really ugly really quickly. Um, and our team, because of our training, we were able to react. Um, we were able to, first of all, we had people in place to notice him immediately. Uh, we're on radios. We were able to communicate with each other immediately that we needed help. We needed some assistance. Um, we were able to communicate where each of us was going inside of the sanctuary in order that we were all in position to stop a threat should he have become a threat. Um, and we were able to coordinate that it was time to get him out of there. Um, that playtime was over and he needed to go. Um, without a team in place, without the radio communications, without our training, we would not have been as efficient in protecting our people. Um, a lot of people that I talked to later didn't even notice anything was going on. Those that did um, all said, you know, that we handled it very well. They thanked us for what we do. Um, they said they were a little nervous when they first saw the gentleman, and then as soon as they saw us following him, surrounding him, they were able to relax and focus on the message again, uh, which is the whole point. Um, so, yes, you do need a team. Uh, absolutely, you need a team, and you need to get professional training. Um, if you're going to have a team carrying firearms, and again, I believe that it is absolutely essential that you have members carrying firearms you must have a training standard that they have to meet in order to carry in your church um, whatever you set that standard at talk to your local police department if that's where you want to set your standard set your standard there uh, talk to if you're in a bigger city Speak to a local SWAT team. If that's where you want your standard, set your standard there. Uh, if you have a member of your congregation that is a former special operations uh, operator, then and he wants to set his standards that if you don't shoot like a SEAL, you're not going to be able to carry on this team. If that's where your standards are set, that's where your standards are set. Um, but you need to have a standard, and you need to require it be met. Um, that eases your church's liability, should anything happen. Um, training, professional training, eases your church's liability. It also helps to ensure that there will not be mistakes made. Um, you know, we... Uh, could have very easily made a mistake with this gentleman. Um, the way he was acting was quite bizarre. Um, if without training, without knowing what we're doing, somebody might have opened fire on him. Uh, we, because of our training, were able to relax a little bit. Um, and... No one 
no one went there. Um, and it would have been unnecessary to have done so. We were close to being necessary, but we had not reached that point yet. Um, so, yes, training. Absolutely training. Organization is a necessity. Um, uh, next podcast, we're going to start um, a discussion. Uh, this incident prompted us to evaluate some other things. Um, mental illness and security. And where those two things can get real murky in your church. Um, as I said, this gentleman we came to understand was mentally ill, was off of his medication, not fought, not uh, compliant with his treatment plan, and that's what led to this whole ordeal. Um, now, how does your church secure your congregation while also meeting the needs of mentally ill people in your community? particularly mentally ill people in your church. Um, where, how do we bridge that gap between security and compassion? Um, after all, we are talking about church security here. Um, where does compassion lie? Where does giving people, getting people the help that they need lie? Um, our church is big enough. We have a um, counseling uh, team. We have a two full-time staff members, and then we also have uh, some retired um, professional counselors that serve as volunteers, um, and then we other have other volunteers, uh, some marriage counselors, people that have been married for a long time, and they've gone through training, and they do that kind of thing. Um, we have people that deal with serious mental illness. Uh, how do you bridge that gap? How do you um, operate as Jesus would? And so I'm gonna, we're gonna start having some of those discussions uh, on the next episode, um, and I'm gonna interview some some professional security people as well as some professional counselors and therapists. And I'm sure we're going to disagree. Uh, you know, you're listening to this podcast. You're probably interested in church security. And um, people who are who treat the mentally ill tend to be a bit more compassionate than we are. Um, they tend to, they, they are going to lean towards always showing compassion. Um, and we should we should always show compassion but at the same time securing the innocent against potential violence um, I understand most mentally ill people are not violent some are um, so anyway that'll be the next episode and maybe a next series of episodes actually and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that I'm already starting to line up some interviews there may be a gap here um, between the release of this podcast and the next. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So thank you, and uh, we will 
talk to you next time. All right, thanks. Bye.